Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. All right, we are almost at number one. Not there yet. That is tomorrow. But at number two, we have Kyle Snyder. The Rays pitching guru, pitching coach on the pod, really taking us crazy far behind the scenes as to how the Rays do it. Because that is the question that every team, every fan, every person, every person who even cares about baseball, they say, how do the Rays trade all these guys? For example, Tyler Glass now, how do they trade these guys? How do they get guys in return, Ryan Pepio, and turn them from maybe a five-starter into a one it's such an interesting podcast it's really a great listen when we first put it out a couple of months ago it got so much great feedback people were so interested and so intrigued by what he had to say and it's really that's the main reason why i put it at number two your feedback matters and i feel like we got so much out of kyle schneider here 
that he may have not spoken about anywhere else. So that's why I had to put it at number two. So here's number two. Here's Kyle Snyder. All right. A guy who I still have the image of walking off a plane in Japan. <laughs> I, Kyle, I, I honestly still have that photo. When You know how sometimes you go through your, your computer and you're like, oh, man, here's a group of photos that I didn't know right. I had. For whatever reason, when I get off the plane in Japan in 2008, like that was the photo I took of you. <laughs> I remember it. I remember it. My hair was a lot longer than it is now. Um, I think I had the tan overcoat on. That's that's true. That's right. And there was and, and there wasn't a lot of smiles on anybody's face. It's that's long fine. It's, yeah. all, it's all good. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's always good to catch up with you. And um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about you know I've talked to a few people. I talked to Heim. I talked to Jake Deegan. And, and really, like, the consensus is, like, the, the everyone says, let me make this clear. There is no secret sauce, right? And when we say secret sauce to the Rays pitching philosophy, I, I think it, 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 there's things that you guys do, but there's not like, oh, you know what, we got this secret thing that nobody knows. I mean, what it comes back to, and I'm not going to put I'll let you say this, but what it comes back to, a lot of this is simplicity, right? Very much so. Yeah. So, so I'll just say what you know. Jake Diegman had saw, talked about other guys had talked about that you guys do a really good job at this pounding home. It's okay to throw the ball off the plate. Yep. And so, am, am, am I being too simplistic about no. that? Okay. No. So, tell, talk to me a little bit about how that. I don't want to say came about. First of all, how that became prioritized. It seems like stupid. Like, oh, yeah, throw those, how that came about. But also, you know, how you guys have evolved in terms of getting the message. Because that's another part of this. Right. Putting in their head and they're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I believe that. Well, I, I think the first thing starts with understanding the cost of a ball before two strikes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the math bears it out. Information's been part of baseball forever. Um, and doing our best to leverage that, leverage count control, maintain unpredictability, um, and not necessarily trying to receive the ball on the corners as a catcher or focus on throwing to the corners as a pitcher um, is something that we've, we've really tried to bring context to, to the player. Mm-hmm. All right, so how often do they get victimized? Um, you know, how good is your command? You know, and, you know, are you able to actually locate the ball on the periphery of the strike zone? Um, Certain guys are. You know, Zach Eflin, you know, arguably one of the better uh, command pitchers in baseball. Uh, And by internal information, we had him as the best in in the 80 or so innings that he pitched last year for Philadelphia, which was part of the reason uh, both of our organizations Mm -hmm. had some interest in Mm -hmm. him, you know. But uh, the vast majority of guys in today's style of the game uh, is you'd rather not be perfect with your execution you'd rather just make sure it's a strike and then you'd rather just focus on improving your overall arsenal mm. which nowadays with modern initiatives you know we have things that are able we're able to measure and bring objective feedback to the player almost immediately mm. um, and it gives us an opportunity to improve their overall stuff the size of their stuff but still focus on the simplicity of count control and, and understanding that the cost of the ball means a lot more than they probably think so there's a lot to get to, but one of the things is you play the game. You were a pitcher, and and 
you came up as a pitcher understanding this is I should throw the ball but also I talked about Jake about this you're also told hey listen in the major leagues you got to paint your you put paint your spot right? right because everyone can hit a ball over the plate so for when for you when did that evolve to the point of hey I'm seeing that it's more important to throw the ball over the plate and trust your stuff uh, I, I guess when my coaching career started, but probably not immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was cutting my teeth early on, trying to kind of figure out what information was usable, what I could distill down, what was easier to message so that the player was able to put it into practice. You know, but through reps and through time, and then, you know, my three years that I spent in Durham and uh, our, our AAA affiliate, uh, I really just started to notice the importance of um, – you know, not being too fine. There's kind of a passive mentality to being perfect with your location as opposed to a bit more of an aggressive mentality and, and organizing your body kind of just comes with that more powerfully. And then the stuff has a chance to actually grow a little bit because we're not too focused on hitting a perfect location. Mm. Um, so when you combine a lot of those things and then the talent that's come through the system and the talent that we've been able to acquire over my time here, it's really, you know, it's been pretty stark in terms of just the importance of it um, and really you know combining that with the importance of, of of the messaging and understanding the player that you're talking to and and taking the time to get to know them both on the field and off is mm-hmm. probably one of the better ways to to earn respect of the player that you get a chance to work with but it also helps fine-tune your approach with them mm-hmm. um, the information is all over the place now. Mm-hmm. But figuring out, like, it's one thing if I can understand it at a very in-depth level, but I need to figure out how to communicate it on a very simplistic level so that they're not overanalyzing things and uh, there's just a one cue or trigger or so for them to go to um, when they're trying to focus on, you know, optimizing their stuff and putting it to work uh, to the best of their ability. Well, you touched on it. Communication in this game is more important than ever, and we focus so much on the delivery of analytics to the players and, and having that. But really what you're talking about and, and what I've heard is that you guys have a really good um, skill of getting that simplistic thing into their head. And I'll just repeat what Jake said. said. Sure, I've been told this before, but it didn't hit like it did until I got here. Talk a little bit about that message and how maybe even that has evolved in terms of getting that across to new players. Well, I, I, I mean, the context matters, right? Bringing something that, that supports the message that you're bringing. Um, how often are these guys being victimized early in the count? Generally, that's a pretty aha moment to them. <laughs> they don't. They, they think it's far more often than, than it actually is. Mm-hmm. And then that is step one generally, and then you continue to just kind of let things unfold from there but there's big confidence instillment you know that occurs with a lot of these pitchers when they realize they're not victimized nearly as often as they think they are Mm. in the count certainly in an effort to control the count and recognizing that on base percentage between 01 and 10 is is roughly a 220 point gap and has been for the last 70 years Mm. you know so it's like it's a pretty consistent over time you know everybody values um, at this point in time just given the you know the importance of information in today's game sample size sample size so that you can draw some some pretty hefty conclusions from some of that stuff but you know the messaging and distilling it down is just part of you know what we've done here and I think over time we've benefited from the reps myself Chad Matola, you know just understanding
getting the players that you know that we that we get a chance to work with, um, it's fine if we take the deep dives. Mm-hmm. But let's make sure that those deep dives, when they're actually communicated to the player, are in a very simplistic nature. Because people like anecdotes and people like examples. Can you give me a good one? Can you give me one that like jumps out at you and says, "Hey, you know what? We saw this guy. Maybe he was dancing around the strike zone, and he came here and." And listen, I'm not asking you to take credit for it, but this is like this is a credit for that what that play, whoever the player is, that they embraced it and took sure. off. Um, it, zone rates versus actual strike rates. Mm-hmm. What would what is a strike and what's not a strike? Not whether or not it's something that's been fouled off. That's not, not not whether or not it was something that the pitcher framed well and the umpire called it a strike, even though it probably wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at stuff like that and understanding that, like, um, I'll use uh, Robert Stevenson as an example. He, he's a tremendous guy early in the count. You know, he fills the strike zone. And then he probably goes to the periphery a little sooner than he should, you know, ra- rather than doing that once he gets to two strikes. So it's been a bit of a message for him. Um, you know, but generally, like, if you bring something to a player that maybe they haven't heard or been exposed to in the past or in a, in, in a manner in which we may bring it to them, mm-hmm. um, if they go out and have success pretty early on and hit the ground running, then that message becomes that much more powerful, <laughs> right? So those are the things that we really do our best to try to hit on in, in confidence instillment. Um, you know, but simply looking at a player like him whose zone rates were um, were better than the overall walk rate would suggest and, and you know, taking a shot on a guy that's got plus stuff. Uh, I think it, he's third in baseball and, and, and called strikes and whiffs, um, you know, in terms of relievers with 15 innings pitched or more. And... Um, um, those are the guys that we generally feel like we can probably help improve and, and help improve in short order. And mm-hmm. I, I guess that's, you know, that's a, a, good fa- one. a fairly current no, one, you that's know, a good and, one. Um, but that's not, it's not too different than some of the other guys that we've brought in that, you know, that we've, we've tried to, we've tried to message on a similar level mm-hmm. to, to see if we can help them optimize their skill set. So with the understanding that, you know, Eric makes the transactional decisions and, but, you know, they come to you and for you, it's not, I understand that this isn't just a cookie cutter. They're good at this. We're going to acquire that. But when they come to you with a guy like that, is there something you, or or a a couple things that you immediately look at? Um, Because they say, hey, wait, this guy with a five something ERA, but we're really interested in him. What do you think? Are there a couple things you immediately jump to? Are they doing that? Are they not doing that? Some of what I've just shared, yeah. you know, just in terms of sprinting the two strikes because we do a good job of controlling the count from pitch one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you went back to 2016, uh, Brent Strom, a uh, mentor of mine, pitching coach that I had in Kansas City, uh, the best pitching coach in baseball, if you ask me. And, and, you know, I think in 2016, catchers moved more 01 than almost any other count. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was something that I took away from uh, a particular conference I attended that he spoke, and, and it really resonated with me, you know, why not sprint to the second strike and then really give ourselves an opportunity to suppress hard contact and give ourselves the best chance at, you know, a chase out of the zone. Um, it may not always end up as a, you know, as a swing and miss if they chase it out of the zone, but it gives you a better chance of softer contact and a chance to get the guy out um, if we do, in fact, get to two strikes a lot sooner than, than otherwise. And, 
you know, that really kind of stands out to me. And then I'll take a peek at a few other things that are beneath the surface. You know, ERA is not a really great... Um, False. Yeah. Well, it's just it's, it's no, just it's the, not, especially for relievers. I right? That, you know, yeah. I mean, there's just well, there's, there's so many other things that we can out and actually like. What's your favorite? Give me so that's give me your favorite stats. Um, I walks and strikeouts <laughs> are pretty predictive <laughs> yeah, in terms yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. you know future performance, but you know. Um, you know, batting average of balls in play. What we didn't know or understand or didn't have something to bring context to left to chance mm-hmm. is now batting average on balls in play, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, uh, there's sometimes very little you can do about suppressing hard contact and balls just finding holes, and you're going to give up runs. But if you don't walk guys and you achieve a high level of swing and miss, generally you're going to be able to suppress some of the damage that, mm-hmm. that, that might occur on a, on a day like that. Um, but definitely walks and strikeouts are, are things that that I pay fairly close attention to because the pitcher has a lot of control over that, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and not issuing free passes, not beating ourselves, forcing the opposing team to hit, uh, and and generally, like, just really trusting our stuff. But I was told to trust my stuff when when I started playing my professional career in 1999, but I was never really given any context (laughs) as to why. That's important, right? Right, exactly. And I do do feel like that's, that's probably been one of the bigger things that you know that has driven the success that this organization even long before my time here has had um you know on on the run suppression side of things and and, in the pitching performance have you noticed the shifts or lack thereof or you know relevant adjustments because it's still a little bit shifting but have you noticed that come into play at all in the term like obviously when you want to throw the ball over the plate it it, it, it helps where if you can shift and you know have a good idea where it's going. Sure. Um, now, the results this year would suggest I know the answer to the question, which it hasn't had that much impact. Right. But you take a deeper dive. What What is, has it impacted anything at all? I would agree with you. Okay. Uh, I would agree with you that, you know, uh, you know, there's limits to the shifts now, but um, what we're doing is putting a lot of, a lot more athleticism on display as well. Mm-hmm. Right? There's not still, there, even though that we're shifting, there's not like these you know huge gaps you know not the benefit of the guys that hit the ball really hard on the ground have seen you know higher averages as a result which I think most people kind of thought was going to be the case um but it's literally like you see a guy an inch from up the middle that's right and I think that that's I think when it started everyone was like oh it's going to be like little league you know yeah (laughs) boom 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 it certainly has not been the case and and I'm privileged enough to, to to watch you know game after game you know with arguably the best defense you know in baseball uh, on display every night and that in and of itself and, and, and generally we've been you know at the top of the league in terms of defensive runs saved and um, it gives us it gives our you know you should listen to some of the advanced meetings I have and in trying to instill more confidence in these guys to be willing to get hit before two strikes given you know um, you know how, how impressive our oh, defense that's, well, that's is another behind. big part of this equation no right? question about having, it. having the guys to, to feel the ball so it, it, it you combine that with the fact that over the course of their career not even pitching with this defense behind them they've still not victimized as much as they think and then you you know you couple that with mm-hmm. you know the defense that we do have and and generally that's uh, that, that's big for confidence and still is it cool to come back to sort of like the perception around the league of players is it cool for a player to come in and 
and almost have that boost of confidence. Like, for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, I just found out a guy for the Red Sox, Ryan Brazier, was just picked up by the Dodgers. If you go on Twitter, everyone's, like, putting up pictures of, this is Mariano Rivera by... Right, LA, sure, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, that's an example. Like, it must be cool for you, for guys to come and say, hey... I'm, I'm an open book. I know because not only do they see the individual results, but they've seen the team results. That must be a cool thing. It's a cool thing, but I think it's something that, that our organization really takes a lot of pride in, right? You know, and we want that track record to remain. You know, I is it cool for me personally? You know, it's just kind of part of the job and... and you know, we do it as often as about anybody does. We use as many pitchers as anybody does. And, you know, there's been a bit of a revolving door the, the first couple of months of this season as well. But recognizing that there's not a guy here that doesn't have the talent to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're really good at evaluating, you know, pitchers um, better than we are, in my opinion, at, at, at taking them and, and, and developing them and unlocking something that, that, that might boost their career. And that's another thing for me that, you know, is pretty powerful. If I say to a player, if you're here, you are really good. <laughs> you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, I, I, I do my best to leverage a lot of the things that this organization has done exceptionally well since Stu took over the club in 2005 um, and put, you know, the leadership in place that they've had. Um, you know, but I think a lot of us take a lot of pride in the fact that, you know, you bring some players in here and, and, and they automatically have a little bit of a boost of confidence knowing that they have a chance to improve uh, just because of historically the players that have come through here and done that. Have you guys adjusted? One of the things is a challenge is being good and understanding how long the season is and getting to the postseason. You guys made the World Series. That's a feather in your cap, you know. But there is that challenge, of, and you've hit some bumps in the road when it has come to October. Has that evolved at all in terms of how you guys are mapping that out in terms of getting to October and succeeding in October? Well, it's, it's definitely something that we know that we need to improve on. You know, um, it's not performed in October um, you know getting there is obviously still the important part of it mm-hmm. right you know but um, not just relying on you know notion that the hot team is the team that ultimately wins in October like we have to literally we have to literally just you know we got to look inward and and, and make sure that we're doing what we got to do once if and when that opportunity arises again this year um, and and, and just do a better job executing Mm -hmm. Kevin and I both realize that and um, all the teams that reach October are good they're good ball clubs and you know I mean uh, you know so I think going forward, if we're able, if we're benefit or lucky enough to be able to get there again this year, I think we're going to take on uh, that much more. Uh, uh, just educate ourselves just from what we've done in the past and make sure that we're not making some similar mistakes. So what? What is that? Like, I mean, you don't have to get into secret sauce. No, but like you know, putting position, putting players in positions to be successful in October the same way that we do in in the regular season. Okay. You know, we're certainly as creative as anybody, um, and I think you got to be as much now as ever in October. Um, you know, you go back to Tito using Andrew Miller the way that he did. Oh, sure. You know, as a fireman five years ago, and that really 
six years ago, that really kind of caught on and gained some traction and, and making sure that you're getting uh, the big outs when, you know, the big part of the lineup's at the plate. And if there's traffic and the game is potentially could be won or lost in the sixth inning, you know, those are things that we've obviously leveraged as well. But, you know, maybe there's some more things there that, that we can do to better prepare our players, um, you know, when that time comes. What's it like to be a pitching coach go to the mound? I mean, I feel like, like to, when you go to the mound, like I, again, the things that I have never done in my life. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like is it, you, maybe I'll write a book like you wrote one uh, yeah, Art of the Mound yeah, Vision yeah. when well, I'm done with that's my a, career. That's a sequel. Like, so, <laughs> uh, but it's it's. Uh, but it is like it's. You, I know that every situation is different. I totally sure. understand that. But it is, and I know that sometimes you're buying time. Sometimes you're sure. whatever it is. But it's it. I guess what maybe a, a very small part of the question is is it is how what percentage of it is I see this guy's not lifting his leg quite the right way or I see this and and I can I know the guy well enough so it's worth making this tweak because mount visits are valuable right, right yep. and so it's, five, it, yeah. yeah so it's, it's worth making that tweak what percentage of, of your visits are that that you see something a little even few. a little bit few few yeah um, and generally like if I'm out on the mount visit I got 30 seconds I'll go to a trigger or a cue with a guy that we have that might have, you know, that might tie into his delivery, but I'm probably not going to get too technical about something that's a bit amiss, right, in, in terms of their delivery. All of the visits are very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Some of them are strategic in nature, but that might be 10 of the 30 seconds I'm afforded. Um, but it's always encouraging. Mm-hmm. It's always finding a way to message something to instill a little bit more confidence in it's them. It's funny you say that, though, because you just came from um, Arizona, and your mentor... It takes a little bit different approach. That's fair. No, but, but it's, 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 I think everyone, you can't be someone you're not, right? That's right. Right? And so, and, and I think that also, I'm talking about Brent Strom. Right. You know, like there's like f flying sure. at the guy. But I think that that's probably, everybody has their own personality and their approach to doing it. But the, that's right. Obviously, you know, I, which is, I found interesting, right? Yep. And, I'm, and encouraging too, because we can't be someone we're not. That's exactly right. Yeah. And we certainly never ask a player to come in here and not be themselves as well so understanding that um, you know Gary Tuck was somebody that when I took this position I reached out for some counsel with and you know so my off-season trips really respond by conversations that I had with Gary who was my bullpen coach when I was here and he told me something that still resonates with me to this day, and it's part of the reason why I do make the trips that I make. And if you're in their living room in January, and you got to go out there and tell them the truth on a mound visit in May, one thing they can't share with you is that you don't care. You know. So at the end of the day, and I'm not saying all my mound visits are super uplifting and encouraging. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be honest, right, in that instance, and and being honest in that instance and trying to get the most out of them, or you know, try to pull their head out of their rear. You know, sometimes that's important, but at the end of the day, they're going to know that you're out there and you give a shit. Yeah, you're, yeah, your your approach is. I like you personally. I really respect your opinion. Can you do a little bit better? That's exactly <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, and and maybe here's a thing or two that might help that. <laughs> exactly. All right. So um, you know, but they're all different. You know, there, there's a lot of psychology that factors into them. Yeah, I love um, psychology. You know, and it yeah, it is. And in today's game, it's probably more important than before, right? I mean. Uh, 
you know, there's there's a lot of things that these players nowadays need. And I'll tell you one thing, like that, that I've noticed at least in my my six years here, a little bit of encouragement goes a long ways, man. Mm-hmm. It really does. And and not all feedback needs to be critical. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be honest with these guys, you know. But there's ways to message it so that it doesn't come across as critical. Um, and it generally gives you the, the best opportunity to get the most out of it. Well, that's the. This has been the best podcast we've done all week. You're you're awesome. I doubt that, man. Well, Thank you. the only one we can juxtapose is Papelbon. It was just yesterday, so. Well, that's fair. You win. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure, Rob. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.